to the glory in our stories. On this episode, we'll be speaking with Isola Jimenez. afternoon and good evening this is episode uh, 38 of the glory in our stories I am here with Isla Jimenez Jimenez he, Jimenez <laughs> yeah where's, where's the emphasis again Jimenez he, Jimenez so what I don't know Jimenez in the middle Jimenez yeah okay because um, I was just telling her about how People butcher our names. Been butchering it for years, like making all kinds of jokes, um, but we've gotten used to it. Um, but I met Isla, I think maybe last. Obviously, it was through Andrea. It's like a couple years ago. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out. It's a blur. It, yeah, it was like a small. It was a small gathering, wasn't it? Yeah, was it at a small group for her church for no. Andrea's church? No, it was a party. It was a party. Because I met. That's why I met your husband. Okay, I and believe it. If it was a party, <laughs> I believe that. Dang. But anyway, it was the conversation and that we had and the demeanor that you all have. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really cool because it was very inviting. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you get around those couples that are immediately shut off. You, yeah. can, you can get along with one, but probably not the other. Mm-hmm. So as long as, um, I guess, the other one compliments you. Oh, your yeah. presence is durable. <laughs> yep, yep. yep. Uh, but for both of you, especially after Agent's birthday party, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, that was that was fun. Um, but it was just something that you mentioned within that those gaps between yep. conversations that really intrigued me, and it, it hit home for me because of something I had to overcome. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't the same as yours. Yours is obviously different. Which I was, I would like to know more about that. But if you don't want to discuss that, that's fine. Was it the breakfast? No, no, no. It was her nineties birthday party. Oh, when we were talking there. Okay, because yeah. I remember we did that like around uh, what round robin discussion mm-hmm. for the breakfast too. Yeah, and you're yeah. pretty deep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was like, man, this I have to interview to learn more. And seeing that you were uh, a body sculptor. Oh goodness! And were <laughs> emphasis on were. Well, well, and yeah, and I was like, wow! And to see from you, to, for you to go from there to working in real estate that okay. you're doing now. So and fill I, in that gap. Yeah, trying to figure out how did that happen because that's very mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, one thing that I always thought was cool was I always because I know I follow this one girl. Her name is Gi something, and uh, she cut her hair really slow, uh, low because it's usually bald, but she is big like big and i was mm-hmm. like you're a superhero like this woman is she's huge yeah and she's really uh, i think she just did a competition recently and of course you have that period after the competition where you're able to relax and you can eat mm-hmm. and you can fill out more mm-hmm. instead of being as toned as you're supposed to be pre-competition yeah uh, but um seeing that i just thought it was cool i think she won a sword mm-hmm. and that's one of the um the, um prizes that you get is that standard i or? guess for whatever competition she was in yeah so i competed one time and i got fifth place and that was after about nine months of training wow so i i essentially dipped my toe into that world and discovered it was not for me <laughs> it's just not for me it's for yeah. some people but not for me yeah yeah 
Yeah. Um, but before we get into that, uh-huh. I guess I would start off by asking you, where are you from originally? Okay, so originally I was born at home in New Smyrna Beach, Florida, and my mm-hmm. dad delivered me. Uh, wow. The midwife was like Judy, that's my mom's name. Mm-hmm. Whatever you do, don't have that baby on a Monday. I'll be in Tahiti. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I was born on a Monday at like mm-hmm. 3 p.m. Oh wow. 6:15:81, the fifth the middle the middle day of the middle month of the year. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, my dad had to call all of the nurses that are in our family and they all showed up and there was other kids, so they had to keep them outside and it was pretty big ordeal. There was no uh, I was a natural birth, no mm-hmm. medicine, nothing. And my mom says I was the easiest one. Wow. And she felt the best afterwards, so that's kind of good. cool. And apparently, I lifted my head while my shoulders were were well while my shoulders were out. Mm. I lifted my head and looked around, <laughs> and that was that was what my dad always told me. And I never believed him. I always thought he was telling a big story. Yeah. And then my grandmother, she sent me, and I think it was like back in two thousand eight or two thousand nine, she sent me a a letter for my birthday, mm. and inside the letter was an envelope that was addressed to her mother and postmarked for the day after my birthday. So oh, it was wow. postmarked June 16th, 1981. Mm-hmm. And I read the letter and it was her writing about my birth mm-hmm. and that I lifted my head while my shoulders were just out and opened my eyes and looked around. So I was like, oh my gosh, he was not lying. He was telling the <laughs> truth and I'm pretty awesome. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And I actually remember certain things from when I was born. So that kind of corroborates that so like um so you remember being two i remember my being like i don't remember coming out of the birth canal but i remember seeing uh in a window seeing two girls looking through a window Mm -hmm. at me but i don't remember anything else just that and then i told my mom about that and she said yeah well your sisters we kicked them outside and they were uh they kept spying through the kitchen window to see what was going on yeah because they were not allowed in the house while I was being born. <laughs> <laughs> that so. would have traumatized me, probably, if yeah. I saw that. But I think that's an actual memory. I don't think that's something somebody told me. I think I actually remember that. But it. I also think that because two people have said that I lifted my head and looked around. Mm-hmm. Which, no, babies don't do that. No, they don't. But I did. <laughs> <laughs> which obviously makes you special. Yeah, I think so. So, uh, <laughs> uh, at, and it's funny because I, the earliest I can remember is... I remember turning four. Mm-hmm. I remember that, but before that, I don't remember anything else. Everything else is a blur. But we obviously lived in maybe a couple, about two places before yeah. we were in the house that I do remember in right. Arkansas. Um, but other than that, that's that's pretty early. Mm-hmm. I don't really remember a lot of my childhood, but I remember that. Yeah. So it's weird. Um, and where was it again? The location that was in New Smyrna Beach, Florida. It's just south of Daytona Beach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like. 15 20 minutes south and how long did you live in florida before you oh man i lived in florida my whole life uh daytona beach really is home Mm -hmm. um lived there my whole life till i went to the army so would you say i've heard people say this in the past would you say florida is the california of the east or is it completely different uh, uh, being from Florida and really hating California so much, I wouldn't <laughs> compare the two. Um, just because they have beaches doesn't make them the same. Yeah. I think in Florida, 
it depends. I guess you could compare Miami mm -hmm. to L.A. Yeah. But you can't compare Daytona Beach, in my opinion, to the whole coast of California because it's just a different world. It's really, it's slower. It's getting, they're calling it Dirt-tona. Oh, wow. Because it's getting nasty over there. The poverty level is just increasing. Yeah. And um, I don't miss it. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so I don't like the hustle and bustle of California. I don't like the crime rate. And I guess if you wanted to compare crime rates, it's probably similar in that way. And mm -hmm. poverty. And there's like a very stark contrast between the super wealthy and the impoverished. Yeah. They both exist and there's a clear line drawn between them. Oh man, have you seen um, Bright on Netflix? Mm -mm. Um, it was a uh, it was Will Smith's latest movie, mm -hmm. and it's basically about it's humans. Then they're what they call um, they're like ogres, mm -hmm. but they're blue and they have fangs. But they all represent a different class. Interesting, yeah. And the high class are the elves. Okay. So when you go into that part of town, it's like everybody has like a tesla audi mercedes mm -hmm. everybody's like there's gold trimming in the city yeah like it's it's beautiful but it's you have the high and you have the low and it's set in california yeah so it's funny you mentioned that because you there's an obvious divide oh yeah between the upper and lower and i know some people who have like been raised in the upper class probably have a hard time distinguishing between the classes but if you mm -hmm. were raised middle of the road or below it's pretty easy for you to distinguish like because yeah. you're constantly grateful for your blessings mm -hmm. and you have no issue reaching out a hand to help somebody who's not quite where you are yet yeah. and then you also kind of place yourself apart from the people who always treated you like they were better than you because they had those things yeah and you realize i could have that too except i actually value my dollar <laughs> and i know and and i and i really do my husband and i were talking about today about um we're both talking about getting new cars and stuff and mm -hmm. i had been thinking okay which one do i want and i was telling him for the longest i want that new infinity um suv right yeah i like suvs um and I, right now i have a toyota rav4 mm -hmm. but it's le it's the nice one the really nice <laughs> one anyways but whatever um so i went from having a mercedes slk 250 brand new mm -hmm. uh, to this toyota rav4 uh to now we're in this position where it's like okay don't you want a new car and i said to him today I was like, you know, I think I want to wait on that ref, on, on getting a different car, because mm -hmm. um, every day I'm in my Bible, and mm -hmm. I, was, I was listening also to a uh, sermon about what does it mean to be meek, yeah. and my motivation for getting this new car goes against blessed are the meek. Yeah. Um, my motivation is like at this point if i was to go get this new fancy car it would be oh look at me look what i have mm -hmm. it wouldn't be anything scriptural it would just be look at me and look what i have look what my money bought me yeah so i'm having some convictions about it so i told him <laughs> give me a year <laughs> and if i in in either i'll get that new car because if it was a gift from you greg or um i'll get it for a different reason mm -hmm. but it won't be because I need to be seen yeah. in that car. Yeah. So I've, I'll be in my Toyota RAV4 for a minute. <laughs> uh, my One of my best friends bought hers a couple of years ago, and she really likes it. Uh, she has twin boys. And I love it. It still smells new. Uh -huh. I, I just, 
and it's really nice. I think she let me drive it once because she needed to get the boys in the car for me to help her yeah. do something. But uh, she's had a Toyota since she was younger. Or it was she went through that typical high school phase where yeah. you get your first car by your parents. Like this is a car, and you know it doesn't. It has a lot of miles on it, but it's just enough to get you from where you need to be. Mm-hmm. And it was a Toyota Camry, mm-hmm. and she decided, oh, I'm just gonna stick with Toyotas. Yeah, they are. And um, that was one of one. That's actually one of my choices: a Toyota or Subaru. Mm-hmm. Um, they are very solid cars. They and are. They're not your typical go-to's, um, but I realize that I'm a person of longevity, so mm-hmm. I want something that's gonna last. I don't care what it is; I just want something that's gonna last. Yeah. And that's funny. That's one of my top brands is Toyotas. Well. I absolutely love mine. It's um, it's fancy enough, like it's all leather. Yeah. <laughs> Has all the buttons. Does everything I need it to do. I can talk to it. It does things. <laughs> Remembers how I like to sit in my seat. All that. Yeah. Uh, I like it. I don't mind that it's a Toyota. Mm-hmm. I would like one day, in this current place where I am now, I am not gonna lie. I want that luxury brand. Mm-hmm. Um. But I don't want it for the right reasons. So yeah. I'm gonna wait till my I'm gonna wait till my reasons catch up with my spirit, or maybe it's vice versa. Wait for my spirit to catch up with the I don't know. But you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It needs to all be aligned because yeah. we are pulled by our flesh to want things, mm-hmm. and our minds. If you're saved, your mind has been renewed. Mm-hmm. So my mind and my flesh do not mesh on that topic. So I need them to, to mesh. Yeah. Or else I'm not going to get that nice car. <laughs> I already know that. It's not for me. Um, I think my my dream car is um, a Jeep Wrangler. I was just eyeballing one of those today. For real? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. And I, and I want, you know, in a perfect world, I would mm-hmm. like to have it just to ride around during the summer. Yeah. Like with the... Flaps all down. Yeah, and, and just just ride, you know. And I've seen some nice, cool ones. I've seen one that was like a gunmetal gray. I've seen a uh, a nice olive green one. Yeah. And four door or two door, but that's since high school. That's been one of my dream cars. I think I think a lot of people really like those. Um, now Greg and I got to experience Jeep Wranglers while we were in Mexico, mm-hmm. and we thought, oh, you're so cool. We're gonna we rented we went on this Jeep tour. And I feel like Jeep Wranglers are like the, that for me, anyways. They they symbolize the grass is not always greener on the other side. Because mm-hmm. we were like, oh, we are gonna look so cute. We had our I had on a bikini. He had on his swim trunks. We were gonna get a tan. The top was completely down, and we were in Mexico, so that sun was beating on us. It was <laughs> awful. Wow. <laughs> and the engine was right there, so I burned my leg a couple times Ouch. on the center, the metal center console. This is probably a little older. So dearly noted. Um, do not attempt to ride or drive a Jeep Wrangler in the scorching heat. Yes, Isla, I would keep that in mind. Um, <laughs> but yeah, our conversation continued on. Uh, we talked about cars and um, the other interests, and it was pretty, pretty cool sitting there across from Isla. I'm like, yo, she's she's a pretty cool person. I uh, didn't get a opportunity to um explore conversations in the past because it was always on the go we were we were visiting um we were at a function with friends and we never got an opportunity to have a more in-depth conversation i was just intrigued um 
by her positivity and uh, the interaction with her husband, Greg. Very cool people. Very cool. So uh, continue to listen. This is episode 38 of the Glory in Our Stories with Isla Jimenez. All right. Uh, welcome back to uh, episode 38 of the Glory in Our Stories. I'm here with Isla Jimenez. Mm-hmm. I got it right again. <laughs> um, we were discussing before um, pretty much her origin story, where she came from. And um, I guess we'll go on to the next few questions that we had. Um, this is actually one question that I was very curious about. And um, you probably already mentioned it before, but what really got you into uh, real estate? Okay. So I'll try to condense it a little bit. <laughs> um, so I was in the defense industry for about 15 years uh, between active duty Army and contracting. Mm-hmm. And uh, beginning Army days, that was cool. I enjoyed that. But then when I got into contracting, you start to see there's another side to everything. And yeah. I. It was okay at first, um, but I, at the end there, I started feeling very convicted about what we were doing, and I just didn't like it. I hated my job. It was just miserable. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> about six months before I left that career field, I, on a whim, I got my, my real estate license. And why was that in my head? Um, somebody in my family was dating a girl who was a real estate agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was my agent to buy my house. And um, I was just like, okay, well, that looks easy. <laughs> I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> she never said it's not easy. <laughs> She's like, yeah, you'd be great. You can do it. You yeah. know. Anyways, uh, so about six months prior to me uh, getting my uh, quitting my job, mm-hmm. um, at this point in my life, I was working full time, sometimes overtime. I was um, full time college student. Um, and I was taking statistics at the time. Ouch. Awful. And, um, I got a B plus in that class. And then I was also doing bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. So I was very busy already. And then I took on real estate school, which Mm -hmm. was my nights, uh, two nights a week. It was like Tuesdays and Thursday nights and some, some weekends, full days on the weekends. And I passed the class the first try. And then I, um, went to Savannah to take my state exam and mm-hmm. I passed that on the first try and the little girl that was with me you know we were kind of going through it together yeah. it took her uh, three times to pass the state exam oh wow yeah so I was re- I mean I wasn't I was really nice when she didn't pass I wasn't like ha ha yeah. but I because I felt bad for her mm-hmm. but I felt for me I was like oh my gosh wow <laughs> look at that that's you're pretty cool you're pretty good he's slow okay i didn't give god any of the glory i was just like wow i am so awesome look yeah. at what i did you yeah. know um little did i know it had nothing to do with me so then i have my license very quickly i have a bunch of deals under contract from people that i work with mm-hmm. um <clears throat> and i also didn't know that that was a big deal i thought mm-hmm. oh every agent is busy Every real estate agent just has business coming through the front door automatically, and this is normal. Yeah. Turns out that is very not normal. And um, by the time I had gotten really sick of my job, they were like, they called. Well, someone was one of the higher ups was sexually harassing me at work, wow. and I 
asked him to come out to the middle of the hallway so I could speak with him. And he was my boss on the government side. And I and he said, are you sure you don't want to go into a private office to have this discussion? I said, no, we can do it in front of everybody. Yeah. So I told him. I Smart don't, move. Yep, and yeah. I, I told him I told him what he had done to me, mm-hmm. and I, to, I, I asked him why he had done it, why he thought he was allowed to do that, and I also asked him some other questions. I won't put the man's business out there, yeah. um, but he ended up getting arrested wow. for, for um, domestic violence, and I had asked him at that time, did he, was he abusive to his wife and his child? Because he made me, he was very, he was trying to intimidate me, mm-hmm. I think, into silence. But I yeah. wasn't silent. I stood up for myself. Anyways, by standing up for myself. Yeah. Um, man, I'm telling this story all out of order. <laughs> I wanted to quit my job already. I hated it. Yeah. I was about to quit. And then Greg, he was making six figures selling cars at Toyota. Mm-hmm. We were doing great financially. And... I was, Greg was like, you know, you can quit your job. I can support us. You don't have to work. You can chill. Yeah. And I was like, wow, finally I have a man that wants to take care of me. And um, so just when I was about to quit, Greg goes out, plays basketball. His friends were making fun of him because I was like, Greg, don't hurt yourself. You haven't done any exercise. You need to drink water, make sure you stretch, blah, blah, blah. They were making fun of him, calling me his mommy and all this stuff. He goes on, plays basketball, comes home. His friend has his head hung low. He said, Greg got hurt. And I was like, what? <laughs> he broke his foot. Oh. His right foot. So he can't drive the cars anymore. He can't mm. walk the car lot. I can't quit my job. I was so devastated, like depression. So I had to stick it out there for a few more months. Well, good. next thing you know... Greg is sitting on the couch every day playing video games, supposed to be learning the stock market, but was mm-hmm. playing video games. And I'd be like, you need to do something. This is not, this is not okay with me. Yeah. I'm over here at this job I hate, and you're playing video games. Mm-hmm. So he, I said, you should try to get your real estate license. You should just go do that, and we can do this together. Mm-hmm. He listened to me, and um, so we were in Atlanta the day he was taking his state exam, and I got a call from my boss not the one, not the bad guy, but yeah. from my contracting side. Mm-hmm. I liked them. They were good people for the most part. And she called and she said, hey, um, we've heard that you're just not a good fit for the team. Wow. And we need to move you to another section. Of course, it was because of my altercation with mm-hmm. the government boss, right? They weren't interested in helping me or they weren't interested in removing him. They wanted to remove me as though I was the problem. So I felt like I was being re-victimized. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know what came over me. I just said, you know what? I think I'm just going to quit. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't have a, I didn't have a plan. My 15-year career, I just flushed it down the toilet. And I said, I'm done. That's it. Yeah. Y'all have a great, great time filling my space. I was the subject matter expert. I was like, have fun with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they wanted me to come back the contractor boss was like what do I need to do do I need to pay you more yeah. I said there's really nothing you can do well I quit then Greg walks through the front door and we were at our in- my in-laws house mm-hmm. they were like it's okay honey you're fine you did the right thing you know trying to make me feel better yeah. Greg walks through the front door and says 
well, I got my license. And I said, that's good, because I just quit my job. (laughs) (laughs) That was perfect timing. And he was like, oh, okay. So we looked at our finances, and we were like, okay, well, we have enough money to where if we do, um, we change nothing about our spending habits, we can live for at least six months before Mm -hmm. we have to cut back. And that was a blessing that we had it like that to do that. Yeah. And so we lived off our savings for a while until we figured out how to run our business. And real estate, for me, went from being like this side hobby thing to an actual business, our livelihood. And our backs were against the wall, and we made it work. Um, I know now that it wasn't us. It was God had his hand on over our business and over us, and he was like, you know what? I'm so glad you got out of that. I'm so glad I put it into a put you into a situation where you felt you had nothing else to do but quit. Yeah. Because I didn't want you there. And so now I'm where he wants me. And I get to talk to so many people and witness to so many people. And they ask me about God. I don't have to tell them about him. They ask me. And I think that's the best thing about real estate. Because you're not allowed to talk about this stuff when you're in the government space. Yeah. You will get fired with a quickness. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's how I got into real estate and that's why I know I'm where I'm supposed to be because all those doors were shut. Yeah. Morally, they were shut for me morally. If that makes sense. Yeah. Couldn't do another minute. One thing neat. it's funny um I think it was yesterday I was I thought about how and I've thought about this before. Um God would not only put you in a position to say yes, he also put you in a position to say no. No more. And um, I always thought that he was, for a while I thought God was a yes God. Like that's, I want you to uh, do something. I'm setting this up for you to follow through with it and go all the way. Uh, but sometimes um, he, he's putting things in order for you to pretty much grow a backbone. And, uh, but to have the backbone that you always had it's just he expo- he put you in a scenario where it was expo- you was exposed to that part of yourself, mm-hmm. and um, it's actually a very bold move. I remember watching a video of, of a young lady that was um, radio personality for a very long time, very mm-hmm. successful career up until that point, and she was making a lot of money, and she was enjoying it, but she was very unhappy, and so she made a video explaining it to the world that she too was in a position where she was making like six figures Mm -hmm. and she said I quit and she was like her when when you in a certain position in your life like your shoulders relax because Mm -hmm. you're like yo this is where I feel good I feel a lot better and a lot of people would say well why would you do that you don't want to have that that intense security blanket and I'm like that's not that's not everything Mm -hmm. and for her it was it was very it was a huge relief not only just hearing that from from her but hearing that from you being in that position where you could have just took it Mm -hmm. um but you you recognized your integrity oh yeah and i'm very glad that you were in a position to call um one of us out on things that shouldn't have taken place you know a lot of men of power up and over the last year have been being called out and are being uh reprimanded for it women do it too yeah yeah and um oh man Uh, because it was because i told adrian this a while back i'm not gonna say the person's name Mm -hmm. but i remember going back to a place that i used to work and i haven't seen this woman in a while we used to joke back and forth i went to hug her and she grabbed my butt Mm -mm -mm. and it to this day i don't approach her Mm -mm. i just say hey how you doing 
And I, that was the most uncomfortable thing I've ever experienced. Yeah. And most people assume that as men, that's still you're supposed to take something like you don't tell anybody. No, mm-hmm. but that it I felt I actually felt violated. Yeah. But I can only imagine what you all have to go through because there's so many degrees: verbal, physical, psychological, written word. Like it's just it's so many things that's very inappropriate. Yeah. But you actually say, "Yo, I'm not taking this." Because when it's your boss, you, there's this unwritten rule that you're not supposed to speak your mind, yeah. speak your opinion. They have some kind of invisible authority over you. Well, they have an authority over you in a um, professional capacity. But when when they start violating your personal um, your personal uh, morals yeah. and your like you're you're in charge of your personal space. There's no other boss there. Yeah. And they just they're just pulling um, like a power card on your personal life. And that's why I felt like no, no, no man ever again because my father was abusive. And mm-hmm. I felt like this guy was making me feel like I was a little girl again. Yeah. Afraid of somebody. I was like, this is never going to happen to me again. So I'm going to let him know you're not going to treat me that way. I don't know who told you that that was okay. Mm-hmm. But it's not okay. And I wonder, because of the feelings you're invoking in me, I wonder if you treat your children and your wife that way too. Two months later, after I quit, wow. he got arrested for... Uh, what was it? Some kind of like domestic violence, endangerment of a child, terroristic threats. Wow. Yes. Mhm. That's that's ironic because I called it. He, um, you did what you needed to do, but that was what God's way of saying, just do. Do you, boo boo? Because I'm. He's gonna be. <laughs> he's gonna be taken care of. Yeah. Um, and they're saying, uh, what is it? Vengeance is not for us, boys, for God. Vengeance is mine. Yeah. Thus say the Lord. Yeah. And Absolutely. so, and it's so. Um, it's very easy to get in their mindset. So I need to fix this myself. Um, but I'm glad that you were obedient. And what profit a man if he gains the world but loses his soul? And that was something that was just so strong for me when I was making that decision. And while I was sitting in that seat doing that work, yeah, I felt like I am selling my soul for this this uh, salary that I'm getting. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of money, and I was like, "Oh, it's gonna be hard to quit. It's gonna be so hard to quit. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do?" And then I really think God allows us to suffer so that we have no one else to depend on but Him. Exactly, and He can exercise His power. And we can know that it wasn't us, it was him. Yeah. And I, that's what happened to me. I was like, man, okay, well, I'm out here. I got nothing, no income, except for my VA income. It was like, what, $500 or something like that a month? <laughs> nothing. And uh, I was like, man, what am I going to do? Yeah. And it wasn't just, and that was my initial thought, what am I going to do? And it not only strengthened me, but it strengthened my marriage because it was like, and I wasn't married yet, actually. We oh, were wow. still engaged. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so it, but it, it strengthened us. Yeah. Because it was like, it was no longer, what am I going to do? At first it was when I quit, what am I going to do? Yeah. But then when Greg came back and was like, hey, I got, I got my license. Then it turned into, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. And then I, because Greg, he's got his own journey he's on. Yeah. But I 
was like, God, <laughs> help us. <laughs> Please help us because we can't do this by ourselves. And he, time and time again, time and time again, he's proven that it's not anything I'm doing. Like, I literally sat on my hands the last month, didn't lift a finger, really, to go out and get business. And I was like, God, please just, I don't have the energy yeah. to do all of the things that need to be done. It's just been coming to me, coming to me. And I'm just thankful. I'm just like, thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> so I get a lot of opportunities to say thank you lately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it goes back to, um, I forgot the particular um, verse number, but it's saying your gifts will make room for you. Yeah. And um, I never really understood that, obviously, when I was younger. Because when it comes to certain gifts, a lot of people think of art or something that's not lucrative. Um, they're like, no, you can't make money out of this. So you might as well do something else. And I said, but when you live in your purpose and you um, pursue that, which is not primarily your own, but it's something God instilled in you. And it's the desire that you always had but you were very hesitant to pursue it because you thought that it was not traditional. Um, and obviously it is, um, but we, we, we're operating via a God that operates outside of man's time and concept of the world. So it's very hard to, to grasp that. Um, but in, rela- in relation to that, and I was just thinking about this, you said you were bodybuilding. Were you still bodybuilding when you transitioned out? Was that during the time period before you were about to I was so when I was when I was uh, transitioning out, Mm -hmm. I was already in the bodybuilding scene. I was already putting in the work, in hours. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's a lot of work. Takes up a lot of time. Um, I don't know where that energy came from. I had a lot of energy. I was Mm -hmm. getting enough. I I guess I was getting enough sleep. I don't know. I was waking up at five o'clock every morning, uh, working out first thing in the morning, going to work, doing doing my education stuff whenever I could and making an excellent grades it's on the National Honor Society I, th- I think that's good well yeah it is <laughs> definitely um, and then after work I would go work out again because I was doing two a days mm-hmm. I was meal prepping I was I was doing a lot yeah now I don't have that energy I am worn out hence this nitro (laughs) i'm tired a lot of times i'm very tired and i think back and i'm like how did i do all of that and it goes back to god's timing Mm -hmm. he knew what i needed to get done in order to get where i am yeah and doing all of that prepared me for all the things that i needed to do to get to here yeah. Cause there was there's long days in this business. Like I'm telling you, I probably work 15 hours a day, and mm. I never thought that owning your own business, you would. Oh, you get to make your own hours. You get to <laughs> go on vacation whenever you want. It's not like that at yeah. all. Nope. You you work, and had I not done all of this other work in these other areas, I don't think I would have been prepared, and I would have quit. Mm-hmm but I, I have no intention of quitting. It sounds like, um, which is a good thing, all the, I guess the, the pain from the grind mm. is worth it. Like I think if this, maybe if this you were experiencing this tiredness at that point, mm. then this was like, no, nah, it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you probably would have 
totally disregarded it, but now it's like I'm okay. Oh yeah. I'm okay with this. That's great. I've I've got no complaints about where we are right now. Yeah. Everything is moving in a positive trajectory. And I know that any day any day it could all come crumbling down, but the foundation uh, built on God that is not going anywhere and I don't have to have I don't have to have money to be happy. That doesn't make me happy. Yeah. The the fact that I'm in a position where I can um, spread the gospel to people who I otherwise wouldn't have met, that's mm-hmm. what makes me happy. Yeah. It's not the money. Cool, we get money like this. Great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not the ha- that's not the happiness. That's not where I draw my happiness and that's not where I gauge my success. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Um I was curious about this. During all of this um, when you were extremely, um, I wouldn't say bombarded with a ton of responsibility, like how were you psychologically, like your overall wellness, how was that during that time? Um, I would I would say, looking back, I don't think I had time to even think about my overall wellness. I was a people pleaser. Yeah. I was like, are you happy? Are you happy? Okay, is my coach happy with my eating? Is she happy with my my physique and my performance? Is my job happy with my performance? Is my husband getting three meals a day? Is my house clean? Is he okay with that? Yeah. You know, that's where, where I was thinking. I wasn't really thinking about, you know, are my instructors happy with my grades? Is my mom happy that she finally has a child who's doing something positive? You know? <laughs> thinking things like that I wasn't really thinking about myself um and then when really you know to the core challenges happened after that yeah I realized that I had not been taking care of myself and I had not been thinking about where am I spiritually where's where's my real strength I didn't have it yeah I didn't have it where you really need it and that's why I was saying God pushes you to a point where you don't have a choice but to depend on him. So I think I was bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt, mm. and I needed, I had nowhere else to go. Had to go to him. Yeah. And I did. And man, just so cool how he just rewards you for being obedient. It's so awesome. So he could tell me to go, he could tell me to go left, and left means I'm living in a van. I'm going left. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't care where he tells me to go. I'm going to go because he's already proven to be faithful and proven to take care of us. Mm-hmm. Proven it. Like, there's nothing you can say to convince me otherwise. That's what I'm going to do. Whatever he wants me to do. Do you think um, some, if not most, women suffer the same situation because they put themselves um, in a place where they're constantly trying to please everyone else except themselves mm-hmm. especially if you're a wife or, yeah. or or a parent or or a surrogate parent to somebody else or having to present yourself in a certain way where it's not overpowering uh, your your male counterparts like do you all do you think that you had an opportunity that you yourself were able to deal with that in a way that most women should I think we were designed in a catch-22 almost because uh, by scriptural law we are supposed to serve our husbands yeah okay but they're supposed to love us like Christ loved church yeah that's true so where we end up feeling like we're missing something they're supposed to come in and support us in that area yeah 
So it doesn't always work out that way because um, like in my marriage where I'm the one who's just so strong in my faith and my husband, he's on his journey. He'll mm-hmm. get there. Yeah. But, <laughs> but he's very good about... He's very good about supporting me, and although his reasons are not the same for mine, we work really well together. So I serve him, he serves me back. I serve him, he serves me back. And it's this beautiful cycle of serving each other. So that's very healthy and positive. And I think where women go wrong is they forget that there's supposed to be some kind of supplication. Yeah. And... Your spouse cannot be your Jesus. Yeah. So what I mean by that is when you're you don't stop serving. And when when the serving becomes about what am I gonna get in return, that's when you start feeling that feeling the void. Yeah. But when when the service is about being obedient to what you were called to do, mm-hmm. you don't have a void. Jesus comes in and fills the void and you don't need some man or some human yeah. to come in and fill it for you. So it really it's it's really about where does my source of strength come from? Where does all this energy come from? It doesn't come from me. It it doesn't come from me. I'm not the source of my own energy. I'm not my own god. Yeah. That's why we have him because we were called to serve it. We were called to be of service to our spouse, mm-hmm. to our husband. Serve him, serve him, serve him. And if he's not doing his part, oh well. That's not your Jesus. That's not where you get your fill from. Yeah. Oh, well, that's who you're with. That's who you picked. Deal with it and trust <laughs> God for the rest. Lucky for me, my guy, <laughs> he's he's pretty great. He, he does a really good job. But if something happened to him, God forbid, mm-hmm. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm going to be sad. But I'm going to make it because Greg is not my Jesus. Yeah. Nowhere close. <laughs> he's nowhere close. He's pretty great, but he's nowhere close to being with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And it's good that you're candid about that because a lot of, and I just I hear this a lot lately. Um, a lot of men, um, have appointed themselves as God's gift to women. Mm-mm. So when I hear that, I'm, I can't. There's no way I can ever imagine that, um, because the beautiful thing about God is that we become a want opposed to a need i was just listening to uh stephen furtick uh, the pastor in um north carolina he was talking about how when uh when jesus got in peter's boat he said he could have used anybody else's boat but he wanted to use peter's boat and being in a position where god wants you opposed to needing you mm-hmm. uh, it humbles you mm-hmm. and you're like well Technically, God doesn't need you to do this. He can use somebody. He can use himself he if he wants to. Snap his fingers and go do whatever he needs to do. And I'm like, but actually considering that as men, and I think that's one another problem that we do have is that we we place ourselves up here. But the the beautiful thing about Jesus is that Jesus was a servant, and um, before you could become a leader, you have to you have to serve. You mm-hmm. always have to be in a position to serve. And it's funny you mentioned that about the interchange between your husband because when you, like you said before, when you quit, he had already gotten his license. Mm-hmm. So whatever, whatever you, whenever you come up short, your spouse is right, right there to pick up the slack. Yeah. And then becoming the concept of being equally yoked, you know, that a lot it's of people very important. overlook that, and because this is obviously applicable to marriage, um, but having that, um, that connection 
you know, and without having obvious differences between spouses, but one thing you do have in common is that you serve each other. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I didn't consider a while back is that if you're in a relationship and you put that person first and they put you first, you're both putting each other first and you're both being served. Mm-hmm. And one thing that if we did that here on, on earth in general and putting ourselves in a position to give and we, if we all give, then everybody receives. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way, you know, it was designed. Yeah. But, you know, like you said, put in, put, being in a, in a scenario where you're just constantly worried about what can I have, what can I receive. Um, if you look at the um, Ten Commandments, um, in, in, the book of, in the book of Romans, in chapter 13, Paul only discusses the last five commandments. So I was I was dividing the word the like couple weeks ago on Romans 13, and something really cool was revealed to me. I was like, why does Paul only discuss the last five commandments? What about the first five? And then I realized through further digging that the last five commandments have to do with loving thy neighbor. The first five commandments have to do with loving God. And Paul says in chapter 13, if you do nothing else, love thy neighbor. Wow. And it's said again in Matthew that there's two, two important things. Love God and love your neighbor. Do, if you do nothing else, do those two things. So then I was like, well, isn't it, isn't it cool how, this is, how the Ten Commandments are ordered? There's two tablets. The first tablet has the first five, which talks about love God. Yeah. The second tablet has love your neighbor. Above all things, love God. Put Him first. That is the first commandment. You know, love mm-hmm. the Lord God, thy God with all your heart. And then the next five is love your neighbor. If we just loved our neighbor and did those last five commandments, the world would be amazing. But yeah. people don't do that. People are uh, conformed to the world. And the world doesn't teach you that. The world teaches you to pick people apart and ruin them and drag them down because you're going to get ahead that way. That's what the world teaches you. And if you, if, you, if you do that, then how can your mind be transformed? And then once you allow God to transform your mind, you start seeing things through the Spirit. And you see things for what they really are. And you don't want anything to do with them. Yeah. Want I, nothing to do with it. Having um, spiritual discernment. Yeah. And yes. I, I didn't understand what that was a while back, but... I had took a um, the spiritual test online, mm-hmm. and apparently I have it, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize that's what that was. Um, actually, it was one scenario where, and I think I told Adrian about this, uh, it was this girl um, that, when I was in college, um, they came over to visit, but within five, ten minutes of the conversation, I knew I shouldn't have been talking to her, and that was my spiritual discernment, but I didn't listen to it. Mm-hmm because I was listening to what my body was telling me. And when you do that, obviously, you debunk um, what your, that initial um, voice that you should be listening to. Go with your gut. Yeah. Is your spirit? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I, did, I didn't listen at all. Mm-hmm. And because of that, um, it was just a bad situation. And I was like, well, if you would have initially followed what what you felt, which actually wasn't your feelings, it was your spirit, it was God speaking to you, then 
that would have been gone completely different. Yeah. Um, but it's funny you said that because in order of the commandments, God is also saying, if you love me, you'll love your neighbor. You'll do all of this. Yeah. Yeah. And um, But the people who just can't, who just can't fathom loving God, they just can't fathom it. At least love your neighbor, because if you do those things, it'll lead you to loving God. Yeah. It will. But for those of us who don't find that such a hard pill to swallow, that there's a God above who we need to submit everything we have to. Yeah. We got that. We got that. So now this whole loving your neighbor thing isn't so hard. But let me tell you, with going back to spouses, um, <clears throat> I'm in a marriage group. With, with several other ladies and we do these um, devotions together and we made a challenge that <laughs> we will when we are upset and angry with our spouse instead of saying why'd you do this why'd you do that why can't you do this why can't you do that we'll tell them how great they are we'll praise them it is awesome <laughs> that, that's a, that is a very difficult thing to do um, to bite your tongue when you're angry. Mm-hmm. But anger is not one of the fruits of the Spirit. Yeah. So if you take that that fruit from a, that rotten fruit, and you toss it out, and you replace it with a fruit of the Spirit, like peace and kindness and love, and you praise your spouse instead, something miraculous happens. Mm-hmm. They start feeling unworthy of the praise, and they rise to the occasion. They won't do that thing again. They're not stupid. Y'all are not dumb. You will <laughs> you'll realize, wow, I did leave like an entire set of clothes and shoes in the living room and she just picked it up for me and put it away <laughs> and called me awesome and told me I'm a great husband. Wow. Yeah. I'm gonna be that great husband. Alright, next time I'm gonna earn that compliment. Nobody likes to feel like they're in debt. That's a bad feeling. Like, mm, I'm in debt. Okay, I owe this person something. Mm-hmm. You know? But when somebody gives out the kindness of their heart, you feel like you need to do something to earn that yeah. in retrospect. So it creates this really awesome cycle of you giving this person praise, they're meeting it the next time. And now it's just this beautiful, like, this wife praising her husband constantly, lifting him up in public, telling people how great he is. Mm-hmm. Versus, man, girl, my my husband, he is so messy. I'm cleaning up after him every day. It's like a trail following behind him. That's so dangerous to a <laughs> marriage and to the man's ego. And now all of a sudden you're giving him all this negative feedback. He's going to also lower himself to that. Yeah. So praise is very powerful in a marriage, and I learned that firsthand over the last uh, several weeks, just putting it in our house. Yeah. And Greg's like, "You're like, how? Did, what?" <laughs> He's <laughs> like, "Where's this coming from?" Yeah. I was like, "Don't worry about where it's coming from." And I was like, "My God is great. He's great, and you're a good husband." You know, I won't tell Greg he's bad. Yeah. So then, when I do have a legitimate complaint that needs to be voiced he takes it very seriously and is apologetic mm-hmm. which is not how he used to be because <laughs> <laughs> it's i think it's primarily in our nature to be defensive at everything mm-hmm. um taking something that you all say as being nagging or or annoying i'm like well if you think about it if anybody has to tell you i, I this realization i came through if like you remember when you were young and got to the point where you thought you knew everything Mm-hmm. So when somebody tell you something, you're like, I know. I was like, well, if you know, 
then why aren't you doing it? Mm -hmm. Therefore, that's why somebody's telling you to do it because you're not doing it. And, and it's not that they're telling you because you don't know. It's if, if you know, you would do. Mm -hmm. So there's no reason you know better, for me to... do better. Exactly. Mm -hmm. There's no reason to be told. And plus, another thing is that we have a tendency to make promises, saying that, well, well I'm going to do this and do this, and you all become our walking recorders. And it's like, do you remember you when you said this? I'm not throwing anything in your face that you don't know because I'm just reiterating things that you told me. And I'm, I'm learning that when you are involved with someone, they're investing in you. Mm -hmm. So they're pretty much reminding you, say, hey, I'm in this too. So I, I need you to be the best that you can be because I didn't get into this for anything less. Mm -hmm. Not talking about money. I'm not talking about anything like that. I mean you as a person, you as a spirit and a soul. I'm investing in you because I see good in what you're doing. I see God in what you're doing. And mm -hmm. I actually am pursuing him. But I see him in you, therefore I'm pursuing you. Yeah. And that's it's a beautiful, beautiful and I'm not and I'm and I'm actually looking forward to it to marriage, not because I think it's the most perfect thing. It's but hard. it's it and I and by, I love challenges. Mm -hmm. I love them because it helps you grow. It may be scary and it may uh rub you the wrong way, but you will not be the same person when you come out the other side. Mm-mm. And I think that marriage is one of the most beautiful things God has ever created. And we live in a time where um, it's easy to say, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. Let me sign a paper. I pay you some money. I go yeah. my separate way. And nobody wants to salvage um, something that God created specifically for two people. When, when, when a husband and a wife fight, they've forgotten that they're supposed to be on the same side of every problem. Mm -hmm. So part of this praise your spouse thing is is the wife taking control of how the battle is fought. So I'm not going to fight him. We are going to fight the problem together. Yeah. If we are supposed to fight it because it's not my battle. This marriage doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. Yeah. So if I recognize that every little argument, every little gripe is not so small that God God won't take time to, because he'll leave the 99, okay? So if I just align myself shoulder to shoulder with my husband and we tackle this problem of, of being messy together yeah. or silently, where I just, we're one, we are one unit. Mm -hmm. Why shouldn't I pick up after him? We made the mess. So. Yeah we are going to pick it up and by we I mean me and eventually <laughs> um, over time he's going to chip in too and do these things so when you break it down to the, those everyday little mundane things that are really annoying yeah. and they mount up to a, this big ball of I feel so disrespected in this marriage and now it's you versus him mm -hmm. instead of us versus whatever is trying to get in our marriage and attack our marriage from within yeah. So if you look at every little thing like it's trying to get in and break up your marriage, man, you're going to last forever because <laughs> that's really what it is. Yeah. The devil is trying to use every little last thing to crack and put a foot in the door and put a wedge between you and your spouse and break up a holy union that God intended to be strong and forever in his name. Mm -hmm. It's crazy when you think of it that way. You'll start seeing little things happen. 
Yeah. You'll start feeling angry for no reason and wonder what is that. <laughs> let me get away from that. Yeah. And let me just ask God to take that from me because I know that's going to make an argument with my husband. And he does. He removes it. Like literally removes a bad feeling. Removes um, a questionable thought. Like, huh, who was that that he was... <laughs> I don't need to think about that. That's not my battle. Yeah. I'll give that one to God because I don't need to deal with that. If I deal with it, I'm going to deal with it in a worldly way. Mm-hmm. And that's not what I was called to do. So if you do it that way, where you give it to God, every little last thing, he handles it. You made a, um, a good point. Instead of directing the problem to someone, you directed it to something mm-hmm. because that's the real problem. It's mm-hmm. not the individual. It's something much greater than they that. They don't even know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even know I was taking it like that. He didn't know. So why am I mad at him? Yeah. It's something else getting in the in the middle, trying to disrupt a beautiful thing. It's something else that we can't <laughs> see because we're fighting against powers and principalities. That's who we're fighting against. We're not fighting against man. Yeah things we cannot see that's what we're fighting against and then when you get married that is the most holiest union and that union comes under attack from day one day one you'll see friends you've had that are not going to be your friends anymore because they tried to get in there and do something strange Mm -hmm. that you didn't even realize they were doing until you got married and you started seeing what was really important yeah they Especially when you start seeing through the spirit, then you really people start falling off because you don't let them in. You're like, mm, yeah, nope, not no more. I'm sorry, we can't hang out like that anymore. Yeah, I'm not really, you know, you'll be like, Adrian, I'm not really cool with the things that are putting in your head. Mm, yeah, <laughs> it should be like, you know, I really respect you, so you're right. We're just gonna pull back from that person. Mm-hmm. We are gonna do this, you know, and you yeah. get to have those those walls down talks because there's no walls when you're married you can't have yeah, walls that's true because walls divide and you're not divide. you're not divided you're as unionized as it gets yeah so i mean it's cool i'm excited for you guys <laughs> i'm super excited yeah you get to find all this stuff out on your own too like somebody could tell it to you but it when you go through it yeah you grow through it yeah yeah it's gonna be cool I guess that's the uh, adventurous part. Oh, yeah. That's the, um, and plus, it's one of those, uh, going back to what you said earlier, um, I'll say this, and I'm going to ask you probably one more question. Mm-hmm. Um, when a man looks at his counterpart who's about to become his wife, or he looks at his wife, and he realizes that after all the crap that he's done, everything that's gone through his mind, what he used to be. You're like, God, you only allowed that to happen to get me here when you give me something or someone that I do not deserve. Why? And and it's simply said because I love you. Mm-hmm. And that is the most, that's one of the most um, pivotal realizations I ever had. And I was like, God, you play somebody in my life that I do not deserve in probably never will and he was like well I've already taken care of that I died for that 
so that you can have that privilege because mm-hmm. I love you that much. Mm-hmm. And and one thing I, I learned is, um, I forgot what verse it was, he said, but God places you in the midst of people based how based off how he feels about you. And just because he may put you in a company, a bad company, doesn't mean he thinks you're bad, but he's pretty much saying whatever you're doing, you're capable of not doing that. So you need to get away from that and be where I want you to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with 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 you all as wives, as a, when a woman when a woman loves, like I don't like quoting R. Kelly, but it's he's true. <laughs> like when a woman loves, she loves for real, and to see that sacrifice to say I, I want to please you, I want to serve you, I want to make sure you need to be where you need to be, and you're like, but I do not, I don't deserve this. But he's like, you do because you're my child, mm-hmm. because I love you, and I love her too. Mm-hmm. And I also know that you're capable of giving her what she's given you. That's why I put you all together. Um, so that's that's pleasing to see, like the concept of marriage here. You know, in 2018, like it's there's still a number of you all who are still holding on to it and who still believe in it. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people could just drop it off and say, oh, "I'll just get married again. I finally get what I want." And I was like, "No, nah, it it shouldn't be done that way." People are becoming souls. Appear to be coming dispen- um, dispensable. Um, and They're just so lost. Yeah. They're lost. We're crazy. <laughs> they think we're crazy, but there's gonna come a time when these bodies are shed and we're all souls, and there's gonna be a big long line going straight to hell. Mm. And there, that's those lost people that think we're crazy, and I hope that they figure it out before, you know, the end comes because it's soon. Yeah. I don't know when, but it's soon because a lot of things are happening that are mentioned. Um, but that whole, that whole, you know, why me thing? Mm-hmm. Why God? I'm telling I I posted on Facebook the other day that I felt like Romans 12, 1 and 2 were probably the most important verses in the entire Bible because it's so much wrapped up into them. Um, but... It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, uh, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. And be not conformed of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye might prove what that is. Good, acceptable, on, good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Mm-hmm. So, in just those two verses, Paul is telling... Uh, the Gentiles that God doesn't live in the temple anymore there's no building he doesn't live in the building your Mm -hmm. body, this living sacrifice this holy ground Mm -hmm. is now in you and we know from other scripture, because scripture defines scripture we know from other scripture that the church Jesus loves the church we are the church and he tells husbands to love their wives like jesus loves the church so if we are the church we are to love ourselves and understand that we are holy ground and keep ourselves prepared for the spirit of god you know moses had to take his shoes off before he could walk in the temple because he was going to be on holy ground yeah it's like if we really thought about that he couldn't go walking all over the place through all those crazy places he probably had to go the market to the well to the wherever he had to go you can't walk through all that all that nasty stuff and then walk into the temple 
but here we are going out listening to Beyonce, listening to trap music, watching violent movies, having terrible conversations or things that people think are funny. We're laughing on Facebook about some guys pretend shooting people, uh, you know, on the street, you know, and it's a joke, joke, haha. Mm. That's not funny. You know what I mean? That's yeah. like, oh, you're just co-signing with the devil and you don't even realize it. You don't mm-hmm. even realize that this is a whole. This is holy ground that you are desecrating yeah. by putting those filthy thoughts into your mind. Transform your mind. That's what he said. He said, uh, "Renew your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind." He didn't say be transformed by putting filth into your mind. He said to renew your mind, yeah. so you can be transformed and capable of having the Holy Spirit in you in this temple. And all of that is in those two is in those two verses. It's so important that people are able to take the Bible, break down verse by verse, word by word, to see what God was really trying to tell people through his disciples. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. It's mind-blowing. <laughs> You'd be like, wow, I've been doing it wrong. Yeah. You know? It, even they say, oh, worship. Praise and worship. That so many people think that's singing. They think that's like, hallelujah. Yeah. I'm singing, look at me with my hands up. Look at me dancing, stomping with one foot in a circle. Yeah. That's not worship. Uh, the first mention of worship, and by the way, I get a lot of this from my Bible study that I go to every Tuesday, mm-hmm. but the very first mention of worship is when Abraham is told to take his son, who is a miracle, by the way, who his wife had when she was elderly. Yeah. <laughs> take Isaac up the mountain to worship God, to sacrifice his son. That's worship. To give something mm-hmm. that you didn't think you could live without. Yeah. That's worship. So when they keep saying, oh, you need to tithe, tithing is worship. You know? Parking lot duty at church. That is worship. Giving a homeless guy $20, that is worship. That is worship. Not, hallelujah, praise you, Jesus. <laughs> fake speaking in tongues that's not worship we've been doing it wrong <laughs> and, uh, wow and it's funny because it's um they think worship is always has to be this this beautiful pretty uh gift of sacrifice but most of it sometimes it's it's one of the hardest things to do because you're like so you want me to worship in the midst of killing my son you want me to worship in the midst of someone um doing something vindictive to prevent me from having a job. You want me to worship in the midst of somebody trying to ruin my marriage. You want me to worship in the midst of not making enough money to make ends meet. You want me to worship. Worship is the willingness to display your dependency on God. Yeah. That's worship. Are you willing? Because Abraham didn't actually have to sacrifice his son. He had the knife raised in the air and a ram appeared. God saw he was willing to display his dependency awesome and he gave him that son he gave him that son he doesn't take his gifts away gave it to him he was a gift so our God is great he's good he's awesome he does everything for our good if we obey him yeah but we have to obey no not too many people do that no we we don't (laughs) I'm not perfect (laughs) I'm not perfect but I try so hard I try so hard to obey and 
and if I and if I catch myself slipping, I have to do what he tells me to do, which is to repent. Repent and don't don't do that again. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, so you don't have to be perfect. He's not asking for perfection. He's asking you to trust him. He's asking you to repent when you're not. You can't be perfect. We're not perfect. He's yeah. perfect. You know, this is a this is a bar that was set too high, on purpose, <laughs> so that you're always striving for something, so you don't get complacent, so you're always having to grow, always having to grow. Yeah. Which is why he knocked them people down when they were trying to uh, build the Tower of Babel. He knocked them down by separating their languages. Yeah. So. Um I guess this would be the, the last one. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> <I laughs> all, of this, all of this is something that um, a lot of us need to be to hear, let alone be reminded of. Mm-hmm. Um, it's reassuring. And um, But you, uh, I know you mentioned, and I can like always ask people what the glory in that story is, and mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned that um, it was Amazing Grace. Oh, yeah. Uh, by uh, John Newton. Yes. Um, and um, we were... You were mentioning, obviously, you know, the backstory. Most people, who, for those of you who don't, John Newton was an actual slave owner. And um, for him to go from being in that position to being somebody of the church, and you're like, but how did that happen? Mm-hmm. And, and to do something so wretched, only for God to say, you're fine. Mm-hmm. I love you. And... That's taken care of. Mom gave me um, an analogy years ago about our sins cover up an entire dry erase board. But because of what he's done, once you ask God, please forgive me, it's like he doesn't even use an erase. He just takes his arm and he just wipes over it. Like, what, what happened? What are you talking about? I have no idea. He doesn't existed. keep a list. No, he, he doesn't, doesn't keep a list. We do that. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and it's hard not to. Uh-huh. And matter of, matter of fact, we keep lists on other people. Oh, and we shouldn't do that. Especially our spouse. Forget it. We are told not to dwell on the past. If you go to Exodus, um, the Israelites, they were lost in the wilderness or the desert, really, for 40 years, right? Mm -hmm. And God purposefully had them wandering around, doing nothing, just wandering around waiting for them to finally say hey you know what we need to depend on you to get us out of this yeah you know but they were lost they were lost for a long time and and at that point you know moses couldn't take them because he had already violated what god told him to do Mm. he wasn't you know so all this all this disobedience if you just go back to the basics it kind of wipes it all away and you get to see okay look we we can just literally give all of this away to God and he can take it away from you. You don't have to walk around. Say you used to be a drug dealer. You don't have to walk around thinking about that all day. If you have a bad thought about yourself, that's very powerful. You you have to acknowledge, wow, I just had a really bad thought Mm -hmm. about myself. Women who used to be promiscuous. Man, oh, I can't believe I did that. Oh, that is so disgusting. I cannot believe I did this. But we'd be the first people to call somebody a hoe. Yeah. Man, look at yourself. Give that give that uh, nasty sin to God because he took it already. He already paid for it. Yeah. You know? And I was listening to something. I listened to a lot of sermons. I was listening to one the other day. And um, and he said he, he used an analogy to describe 
to describe grace and and how our sins have already been paid. He said he um, he went to a guy who was a peach farmer, and uh, and I, I probably am not going to tell this exactly right, but the peach farmers um, got some kind of like his son his son went to go get a pearl or something from in town, and while the son was getting the pearl, he died in a tragic accident. So now this guy has this pearl, and this pearl the peach farmer's not rich he doesn't have a lot of money but he's got this pearl and the pearl is very special to him and somebody comes from out of the way and was like hey I'll give you $500,000 for that pearl and he said you cannot put a price on this pearl my dead son got me this pearl it's not for sale it's your money is an insult no matter how much so that was to say it doesn't matter how many works you do. You cannot pay for your salvation yeah. with works, with money. Um, you can't pay for it. It, it. It's an insult to God to think that you can. The only thing you can do is what he's already told you to do. Give me your sin. I'll take it from you. Mm-hmm. It's already been paid for by my son, my dead son, who came back to life, obviously. Yeah. But just to give people an idea of how insulting it is to think that you that he can't handle it or that you're going to just carry it and waste the blessing that he gave you how just it's so rude (laughs) he let his son die so you didn't have to carry it but you're no i'm going to carry it anyways i don't need that i don't know why you did that god i don't know why you let him die like that i don't need him yeah that's so rude when you think about it like that and that's what people do every day they choose to do that and then that's why when they continue to do that and they die with that that mindset mm-hmm. he's not going to know who they are you're going to cry lord lord and i'm not going to know you and i think that's the uh that's the biggest and so it's doing living your life accordingly and only for him to say i do not know you mm-hmm. <laughs> and i'm like really he's going to say you did all these works but i don't know you yeah works don't get you salvation yeah mm-hmm. well um but i really appreciate your time and uh, your candidness mm-hmm. and um, being in the position and I, I highly always appreciate um, because I've grown up in a house full of, full of women full of independent women knowing that knowing what you are capable of that's normal for me you know but from other men it can be intimidating it can be uh, disheartening and I'm like well why do why is she doing this? Why can't I do it? And I'm like, well, if this not meant for you, it's just not meant for you to do. But that's okay. Like I'm used to seeing strong women, and it's nice to know that one of the biggest things that you can ever do is actually just be content with who you are, mm-hmm. and then everything just sets in motion from that. Yeah. Um, but that's that's what I've learned from you, from meeting you um, initially, maybe a year or two ago, I mm-hmm. think. And um, I was like, "Wow, this is this is pretty cool." And then, and it's, but it didn't. Even Adrian, she <laughs> she thought that um, she would intimidate me. And I'm like, "Yo, I grew up with three of you." <laughs> so I'm like, trust me, it's <laughs> on I can, steroids. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm like, "Yo, I could I could take it." Yeah. Um, but um, and I, that's why. Well, yeah. That's why you grew up with three strong women, because God knew who you were gonna. He was gonna put you with. He exactly. prepared you for her. Yeah, and I tell it all the time, especially my, her and my mom are a lot more alike than they think. 
and I left with my mom before we uh, left to go to California. I said, Mom, a lot of things that she does, you do. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think God prepared me with you so that whatever she does, I'm like, well, it's just, that's what it is. Like, I, I've, I've experienced it before mm -hmm. on a different, uh, in a different dynamic, but um, situation. You but, got to see it from a perspective, not as a husband, but as a bystander. Yeah. Yeah, so now you kind of get to come in with this bag of knowledge that not everybody gets to have <laughs> and you get to see like the behind the scenes stuff too yeah. when you were growing up that a husband maybe not would or a boyfriend or a fiance wouldn't have uh, got to see yeah so you know the power of a man's words and mm -hmm. what they can do to a woman or lack of presence or lack yeah. of presence all of that everything is so important every word every word has power yeah every word whether it's a good word or a bad word it all has power there's power in your words so to choose to use positive power is just very selfless because you're going to have a lot of opportunities to use a very negative power yeah <laughs> even piss you off uh, just wait <laughs> but um but yeah but again thank you Isla, for you're your welcome. time thanks and, for uh, having me uh, no problem and thank you all for listening uh, again this is episode 38 of the Gloria in our stories with Isla Jimenez. Mm-hmm. Good job. <laughs> <laughs>